There's a question that every prophecy buff and every prophecy teacher wants the answer to. When? When will Jesus Christ come back? And what will be the sign of his coming? And how will we know for sure this is Jesus coming? Well, I want to research that a little bit with you and see if we can find some answers here. Let's turn to Luke 17 and starting in verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, so he's talking to the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Now this is the King James language, but we're going to look at other translations of this too. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here, or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. What? He said to his disciples, The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here or see there, go not after them or follow them. For as the lightning that lightens out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Verse 26, chapter 17, Luke. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, and were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, They did eat, and they drank, they bought, and they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven, and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop, and his stuff in the house, Let him not come down to take it away, and he that's in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. But he said, Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed, and that day which shall he which is on the housetop and is stuffed in the house, don't come down to take it away, and if you're in the field, don't go back home to get it. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. If you stay when you ought to go, you will lose your life. No, it's much better to go when you're told to go. I tell you, in that night there shall be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other shall be left. Two women will be grinding together. One shall be taken and the other left. Two shall be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. 
Now the ASV, the American Standard Version, omits this verse. To continue in verse 37, which is the ending uh, verse of this chapter, And they answered unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, there will the eagles be gathered together. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. And clarity is very important to me. I'd like to know more about God, about Jesus, about the Bible, and about Jesus' reign and rule and kingdom and all about him. I want to know everything I can know about this. Let's take a look at the NIV for a moment. Here's how the NIV puts it. Once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, quote, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. What? You mean it's all just made up in your mind? It's pretend? It's, it's something you conjure up? Or when you sign up, you're, it's the knowledge that you are part of the kingdom? And that's the kingdom? That's all you get? That's it? I'm here to say, no, not at all. Not at all. So let's keep going. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Men will tell you, There he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man is in his day like lightning. We've all seen lightning. It flashes from one end of the sky to the other. And that's exactly what he says. It which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating and so on and so forth. You can read the rest of this, but the point is, is it just an ethereal nothing? Or is it a real government, a real kingdom? Is Jesus the real king of kings, the savior of the world or not? If we all have to convert to Christianity, are we winning the battle? I'd have to say absolutely not. We're not, as Christians, winning the battle. We're losing the battle. Do you know that there are over 2 billion people on earth who are Muslims? They're not converts to Christianity. Far from it. They think he was just a teacher who didn't really die on the cross. And he didn't certainly die for our sins. They don't respect Jesus as God. We all should. He is God. Let me read this to you in the New Living Translation. Now this is a translation. It is not 
a living Bible. It's not a paraphrase, in other words. It's a real translation. It's done by a large number of well-known scholars. But their motto is, the truth made clear. That's why I like this translation the best I've found so far. But here's what it says in verse 20 in the NLT. Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you, unquote. This is better. It's not 100%, but it's better. Why? Because the king, Jesus, was standing right there in front of them. No wonder they couldn't detect it. He, they didn't recognize him as the king. And that's why it can't be detected by visible signs. He didn't come at that time to set up the kingdom. Only God the Father knows the time when he will set up that kingdom. It is not for you to know, he said. Let's flip over to Matthew 25, and we'll start in verse 13. And by the way, in the book of Matthew, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are one and the same. comes from the same original Greek words. So they're synonymous and they're interchangeable. This is the famous parable of the ten bridesmaids or the ten virgins. Here's the way it reads in the NLT, starting in verse 1, chapter 25 of Matthew. Then the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil, and it does say olive oil, for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to carry along extra olive oil. You might say it's extra virgin olive oil. That's a little tongue-in-cheek joke. Haha, ha, right? When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All ten bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy, and probably didn't open till morning, so they were delayed, but while they were gone to buy the oil, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready... And that's what we ought to be ready, went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside, calling, Lord, Lord, open the door. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. 
So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Keep ready, I wrote in the margin. Keep ready. How do you do that? By maintaining a prayer life with him, with God, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. Maintain a daily routine of prayer and spend as much time as you want because he wants to hear from you. He wants that relationship. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. I do a lot of my Bible studies on my knees before God, and I ask him, what does this mean? Will you please reveal this to me? He's never failed to answer me. Now, I, I still have things that I think about like this and want answers to, so I ask him. And that's the best way to get what you want is to ask. Jesus said, ask. Where did he say that? Matthew 7, in verse 7, reads like this. Keep on asking, and you will receive. And again, this is the NLT. You will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened, unquote. So, do I get every answer right away? Do I hear an audible voice? No, I don't. But I listen for God to answer my questions. And he does. I love that about him. But he puts a thought in my mind. That's the way you hear. You have an inner ear that hears what God says to it and to your mind. In verse 9, he says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or, if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? So ask. And that's what I do. That's what we all as Christians need to do as well. So let me ask you another question. Is this kingdom real or imaginary? Think about that for a second. Then let's go to the book of Isaiah. This is chapter 9 starting in verse 1. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan River and the sea, will be filled with glory. Jesus was that glory, and they wouldn't recognize him. They didn't want to see him. Verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. You know, they said that no one good came out of Galilee. They didn't read this chapter, apparently. These scribes and Pharisees, they did not know the scriptures. They just pretended to be righteous and trustworthy with God's word. 
And they did copy it multiple times over, thousands of times over, and we still have those copies today. It's the most copied book in ancient history. Much more than anything by Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, you name it. The Bible has been rescribed over and over again in thousands of copies. But let's go on. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift their heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood-stained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. That doesn't sound much at all like it's ethereal or hard to put your finger on or anything else. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Religions come and go. They never stick around very long, and they're not any good because they're all seeking God the wrong way. No, God needs to be seeking us, and that's exactly what he's doing in our Savior, Jesus. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. You see, there's not going to be an end to his government. Thank God we have such a savior king as Jesus. He's alive. He's just not here yet. But he will come back when the Father is ready. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen, not us. It's not up to us to call people. Did you know that? It's up to us to deliver this message, the Bible. It's up to us to spread the word that we have a Savior King who is God, and he is coming back to rescue and save mankind alive. That's the good news. That is the gospel. Now, if you ask an evangelical what the gospel is, he's going to tell you that Jesus paid the penalty for your sins on the cross. That's the good news. Well, there's a lot more to the good news than that. That's a good start. We have to start there with Jesus and his saving blood on the cross. Why did he have to go through that? so that he could connect with you and me. Think about that. He had to go through it so he would feel what it's like. You know, it's not enough to be the creator, God. He can't feel it that way. 
He never was one of us. But now it's in his memory. He remembers that pain that he went through suffering on that cross. And believe you me, there's no one, no one who ever has or will feel pain like that again. Why? Because if you can imagine it, it was freezing cold with the wind blowing and it raining on his naked body up there on the cross, or nearly naked. He's shivering. Nobody mentions that. But in the gospel, in the gospels, it tells about Peter warming himself the next morning, or the morning of the crucifixion, and it was cold. So he's going to be shivering. Can you imagine being stripped of all your clothes and then being whipped? I won't go into the whole thing. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com, and you can listen and read my books there, and you can learn a lot more about his crucifixion and how gruesome it really was. But he did it to connect with us so that he would know what it felt like, what we feel like, the pain that we go through in life. But nobody is going to suffer like he did. So there's no excuse not to believe and trust in him. That's what faith is all about. It's trusting him that he is real and that he suffered and died, paid the penalty for our sins, yes, but he's coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I want to read something that I believe it was Nathan who wrote this, but it's in the Psalms, Psalm 22, verse 27. We'll start there. I want to read some things about the kingdom that God wanted us to know. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 1 because I want to prove to you that this is about Jesus. He is going to quote this very scripture right here, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Well, part of that is quoted by Jesus. But let's drop down to verse 7. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. Remember, they mocked Jesus in that way, saying those very similar words. If the Lord loves him so much, let him rescue him. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. In verse 16, he says, My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. That's exactly what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. They have pierced my hands and feet. They did that too, and also his side. I can count all my bones. That's why. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. 
This is exactly what happened to Jesus. O oh Lord, do not stay far away from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. See, Jesus was killed by a stab wound in the gut with a sword. This is proof of it right here. Save me from the sword. Spare my precious life from these dogs. Snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. In Isaiah 53, we'll go back to Isaiah, we read, starting in verse 2, My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We've all been through grief, but not like this. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet, it was our weaknesses he carried. He said, Father, forgive them, even when he was dying on the cross. Can you imagine? It was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought, his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But no, he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own paths. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And I'll stop there for sake of time. We've got about one more minute, and I want to go to the book of Daniel. Daniel 7, verse 13 and onwards. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. This is Jesus. He approached the Ancient One, that's God the Father, and was led into his presence. He was given authority. This isn't an ethereal kingdom, a make-believe, or a mental gymnastic. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that the people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Then in verse 27, he continues, Then the sovereignty, the power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be given to the holy people of the Most High, his kingdom will last forever, and all rulers will serve and obey him. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. This is most certainly not an ethereal mental gymnastic where people think that the kingdom is inside them. No, these are thrones on which people will rule. They will sit and help the people. And what do they do? 
Let's go to Psalm 72, starting in verse 11, because this tells us what kings and priests will be doing in the kingdom of God, if you ask me. Verse 11, all kings will bow before him and all nations will serve him. He will rescue the poor when they cry to him. I love that. He will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. He feels pity for the weak and needy. Why? Because he's felt weak and needy too. And he will rescue them. He will redeem them from the oppression and violence for their lives are precious to him. Long live the king. So you can go to my website, itellwhy.com, and you can read my books there for free. You can print them out. It's all PDFs for free, done in the public interest to try to build faith, faith in Jesus, God, and his Holy Spirit. So you can go to I Tell Why and do all that. You can watch the videos. You can hear my audio book there. And uh, hopefully your faith will be strengthened. That's the whole idea. So until next time, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Radio. Thank you for tuning in today. By the way, I'm working on an app. And maybe soon it'll be ready. We'll see. Well, anyway, thanks for tuning in today.